to garage night where decisions are not made. Um, I'm Randall and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Jeff. And I'm Andy. And tonight we're going to talk about my inability to choose an engine for my Bronco. (laughs) Uh, Andy's broken everything and uh, rats driving cars. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll start right off with the uh, with the ride segments. We'll skip right over me because I have I have nothing. All I've done is uh, driven them. Uh, that's that's the extent of it in the last two weeks. Uh, that is so boring. <laughs> uh, so let's continue something that's certainly not boring. Let's continue on. Um, I believe we left out at minute thirty three of Hey Jeff, what engine are you putting in your uh, Bronco, bud? <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm hey, sure you've made forward here? progress on this, right? I I'm, did. I'm pretty, okay, pretty so. sure you're going big block, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, I've been just, just being just jerked back and forth on my inability to decide on what I want to do with my Bronco. That doesn't sound like um, you at all, bud. No, but uh, so I, I decided to do a thing last weekend, and I pulled the engine out of it. Um. I drove it in on Saturday and pulled the engine out on Sunday, and now it's inoperable, which is good. Um, and so over the last week, I've been cleaning the engine bay and painting it and organizing the wires and stuff. And just to be clear, my dad, over the last you know 42 years of service, he had never cleaned the engine bay at all in the Bronco. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was palpable, the amount of dirt... Uh, everywhere and uh by the time i was done cleaning it i had it in my teeth so it was pretty disgusting but uh regarding the engine selection i i have a line on a ford 400 and my plan currently today uh marking the date (laughs) is to if this 400 ends up being one of the good year blocks that doesn't have the cracking issue I will throw a bottom end at it, uh, take it to a, a shop, have them size bearings for it, uh, file rings for it. I'll put the short block together and then just either install my heads or I'll just go crazy and buy TrickFlow Cleveland heads, throw those on, and then put the rest of the parts from my old engine on there, put it in, paint it, make it look pretty, and drive that for you know 50,000 miles until I figure out what the hell I want to do eventually. But if the block doesn't end up being good, my next plan is to do a 351 Windsor uh, with a C6, which is exactly what Randy and Andy both said I should do from the beginning. Uh, but I, I've kind of determined that the Windsor engine is kind of the jack of all trades of a Ford truck engine. It's small enough to be economical. It's big enough to tow a good load. It doesn't have all the weird issues that all of the you know m blocks and the 460s have and you know you don't really get broken bolts you don't get goofy stuff so they're kind of and and the aftermarket's huge so if all else fails so if the 400 doesn't pan out that's the route i'm i'm going to go and i'll find a uh 83 to 87 ford truck uh they came with carbureted 351s and some had an option early on for fuel injection so they have a block off plate on the timing cover with a with the eccentric still on the cam um or on the uh sorry on the water pump 
Um, so I can basically drop one of those in with the stock pulley system and everything and run it in my truck uh, with a with the matching C6, of course. So those are those are what I've narrowed it down to. Um, I'm not trying to spend a million dollars here at this point. I just don't I just don't have the money to do it. So uh, and I don't really want to spend the money to do it, to be honest. So uh, I'll do a basic rebuild, um, you know, and uh, if I decide to get uh, crazy, I'll, I'll spend the money on some heads and uh, throw that at it. But that's my plan. That's plan a record for today. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But <laughs> I'm going uh, this weekend to pick up a uh, 400 from a guy uh, that I buy parts from. So that's cool. And uh, it's funny, this guy uh, emailed me on Craigslist about the 460 that I bought that I'm selling now. And he's starting a YouTube channel. Uh, he does a bunch of like uh, revival videos for his vehicles. You know, it gets pulls them out of the field and revives them and put you know gets them running and stuff and so he's he's starting a youtube channel trying to get get noticed so he uh he wanted to put this in a 83 bullnose f350 which is exactly pretty much what it came out of so everything will bolt right in for him so i'm really excited for him to get that and try it out and see how the engine works out for him so that's really all i have other than that i've just been driving the Chevy and the Falcon around and moving the Mustang accordingly. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's probably a, not a bad though, boring, probably the easiest way to go. Cause you know where everything's going to mount up. You don't have to buy any brackets. You don't have to figure out, Oh, well not, now am I going to have to cut into this piece of this fender to make this fit? And mm-hmm. it'll, it'll, yeah. <clears throat> like you said, bolt right back up. It's probably the easiest thing to do. Uh, and yeah. you don't have to wonder about the engine characteristics. You know how it's going to act. But I would say, I mean, while while you're in there, which is, I think, the most dangerous thing that an automotive <laughs> enthusiast can say. That's while my you're mantra. At it, while you're yeah. at it, you should well, do yeah. the most, something. That's the most dangerous thing a Randy can say. Let's just be 100% <laughs> honest here. Well, I mean, it's financially dangerous for other, for other people. For me, it just means that I have a, a hunk of uh, non-operable metal. That's that's the difference. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, while you're at it, you should you should at least do at least have <clears throat> if you don't swap out the head, see if you can do some some port and polish. Like I, I learned that was a thing from uh, Grand Turismo Three. You know, important polish the heads. <laughs> you spent um, fifty grand to port and polish port and heads or something ridiculous <laughs> yeah. on that game. You get twenty six horsepower out of it, so we know it works. Oh yeah, um, that's true. That's true. So either doing that, or cams, or, or or you know something like while you've got it yeah. torn apart, make see if see if you can do something because you won't tear back into it. And if you ever want to change anything, you'll go. Oh, but I pulled the engine out of that seven years ago. I don't want to do that now. That's true. So I did have some thought put into this. You'd be proud of me. So if I did put, I know, right? (laughs) If I did put Cleveland heads, uh, trick flow heads onto the 400, those same heads can bolt to the 351 with some minor modification. And you can make what they call a Cleavor engine, which is a Cleveland headed Windsor. So basically, if I win a 400 and later decided I wanted to put a 351 in there, I could swap the heads uh, 
over to the 351 Windsor, which would be nice, you know. That's all the more um, reason to get them now so you can use them on, you know, yeah. engines like that. You know, you really can't afford to not buy trick flow heads for the 400 now. It'd be fiscally irresponsible <laughs> for you to try to reuse the stock heads. Good point. Good point. <laughs> the nice thing, so one thing I did not know that I learned in doing this research is that aluminum heads allow you to run a higher compression ratio. Um, it has something to do with just the uh, the metallurgical aspect of things, the thermal expansion, everything. I don't know the exact reason. Someone's going to correct me, but uh, you can safely run on pump gas at ten and a half to one on a on an aluminum headed engine, but you cannot do the same on a cast iron headed engine without detonation issues. So the cast iron head, you can only run about a nine point three to one. I wonder uh, if it's because it dissipates the heat and it can cause if the iron head stays hotter maybe that's causing uh pre-detonation because the the fuel gets hotter faster and maybe ignites earlier but i mean it should still go on the spark i i genuinely wonder why that would be a thing at all i i think it might actually be the opposite of that i think it might actually help with the aluminum head running hotter so it gets better burn at that higher you know at a higher temperature <laughs> potentially i don't know though i'm speculating as much as we yeah, are all, so <laughs> all i know coming from a metallurgical background is that aluminum disperses heat better it has right. a better electrical conductivity i don't know how, how that would have anything to do with it um yes but yeah so it, 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 it takes it in heat faster but it also disperses heat faster right yeah. so it, it heats up quicker but then it also gets rid of heat quicker which, I mean, that's part of the problem with having aluminum heads on an iron block is they heat and cool and therefore, you know, stretch and expand and contract uh, at different rates. So that yeah. means they're moving independently more so uh, on the gasket, mm -hmm. which can cause problems. So I don't know. Um, hard, hard to say. But, I mean, just having a better flowing head mm -hmm. is going to help you all, all along and having something... Uh, that was made more recently with, you know, better technologies. Like you're going to have a, you know, a better mounting surface just because they know yeah. what patterns and, and, you know, uh, higher quality gaskets, I would assume are going to yeah. come with something like that. Uh, and that yeah, can reliability. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my other plan would be to also at the same time, because it's, you know, while I'm there is to get the, <laughs> uh, the Keith black hyper eutectic, uh you know three cc dish pistons for that are specifically made for that engine um and then have it machined accordingly so that'll bump st static compression i think up uh half a point and then coupled with the uh the the aluminum head should bump up another full point so i should be running if i did that depending on which heads i go with i could be running anywhere from nine and a half to ten and a half to one depending on the combustion chamber the head i choose so then you're running uh, right along with commuter vehicles now i mean that's pretty high performance. yeah that's like a <laughs> prius basically you're almost modern <laughs> i know but i think with that engine that stroke that displacement and choosing the right cam i mean that thing would be a real performer as long as the block holds up basically it already wasn't like i i joke about it being a uh a boat anchor and 
it was more of like a like a skiff anchor not like a big boat just like a small boat anchor <laughs> um it wasn't completely gutless uh but if you could pep it up 15 20 percent i mean that you would really notice it um in something nearing six thousand pounds uh yeah. if you can gain 20 percent power you'll get a second off your zero to 60 bring it down into the single digits yeah um, turbo always turb, turbo turb skis hey you'll Twin have a fresh skis fresh Twin block skis. fresh heads new gaskets why not a cheap and one uh, turbo unit off of eBay? Those always go well. That's true. I probably I might get ten thousand miles out of the block this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know I talked about this last time, but John Case or Cass or however you say his name, uh, and you might know him. He does Engine Masters challenges. He uh, he ran a Ford four hundred in one of the, in the 07 and a few other Engine Masters challenges, and he won with a Ford 400 like mine. But what he did was he filled the block with basically concrete uh, in the water jackets. It was called like this. It's like, I think it's called block seal or something like that. They use in race engines and it's a porous concrete. So water can still pass through it, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, 90% flow restriction, but Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, it basically what he did that for was, was to create cylinder wall stability in that block because they're just mm, one they're yeah. just they're known for being thin wall blocks so when you get power up in where he was at which is 650 you know horsepower and torque na you know you're starting to run into deformation issues in the cylinder with power that high um na in a in an old cast iron block like that which yeah. you know that particular block just can't handle the power that the windsor blocks can i watched a video of this guy on YouTube, he does all he does is engine dyno stuff, and he took a Windsor, a truck motor from an '80s truck, and he took, he uh, it, he dynoed it stock, and it made 325 or 350 horsepower or torque and uh, 260 horsepower. He threw Edelbrock heads cam intake on it. He made 460 horsepower and 455 foot pounds of torque, something like that. Wow. Then he took that same engine, put a. a Pro Charger, 10 pounds of boost on it, and made 650 horsepower. <laughs> I know, right? Silly numbers for that engine. That's stock silly. bottom end, everything else. And he was, and he just like heads cam, little bit of boost, and he was making 650 horsepower. And this is all crank, but still, like, that's yeah. super impressive for oh, a yeah. truck, flat tappet cam, yeah. junkyard motor, uh, right. stock pistons, stock everything. You know? I wonder how long so, that would run, though. Like, right? Yeah, that's the thing I always wonder. Like, how long do these boosted setups last? Like, is it you get ten thousand miles? All the all these roadkill things, you know, they're excited when they go two, three thousand miles with these sort of yeah thrown yeah. together stuff. It's like okay, but the rest of us that are going to build it, you know, not everyone's like me where they don't mind having a a a, a junk car that doesn't work sitting around all the time. Uh, some people want to soda works. <laughs> it does. I start it once a week. Uh, and I, I drove it the other day a little bit just up on the hill here, but it still works barely. Well, I mean, it works as well as it did from the factory, which, you know, <laughs> Chrysler. So barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> um, I do, I do want to, uh, get in one fight with the internet before we move on. 
you you mentioned those uh, hyper pistons. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's basically three types of, you know, three types of pistons uh, in the hierarchy. And you don't hear about the hypers very often. Mm -hmm. You know, you either have just cast or forged is is all you ever hear. Um, And I've heard plenty of arguments uh, as whether hyper makes a difference or not. And I've heard a lot of like, I, we have a mutual friend that put him, uh, put him in his, in his car and his wastegate failed and it bent the forged rods without breaking the hyper pistons. Um, so I was wondering what other, you know, information you guys have on, on, uh, the different types of pistons that you can verify and what have you heard rumor of? So, um, I talked to, uh, I've talked to four or five machine shops this last week, uh, discussing the option of using Keith Black pistons. And one of the places I talked to was recommended by Annie's dad. Um, when I talked to him a few weeks ago, uh, which was, uh, uh, Larson and King, which I think is where the, he, he takes his performance engines, which is now called Portland engine rebuilders. Dude was super, super sharp. And I asked him, you know, I said, Hey, I've got these, you know, hyper detected Keith black pistons. I'm looking at, and he said, okay. So that's kind of a custom thing. So, okay. Why is that? He said, well, the hyper eutectic, um, has a, has a really low coefficient of thermal expansion. So, um, if you don't get the bore right on in exactly Keith black specs, you'll get knocking when you start up, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but about 15 years ago, um gm when they had the big 8.1 liter in their suburbans and their tahoes they had an issue like a factory recall where they had you know people were complaining of knocking when they started and that's because they used uh hyper hyper eutectic pistons in there and before they warmed up or got up to temperature or whatever the block did the pistons would clack around in the cylinder wall make a little bit of noise so it sounded like you have a knock when you started get up to temperature be fine and so that's kind of the same issue with these hyper-eutectic pistons, they have a very low coefficient of thermal expansion, which is good in situations where you're running a hot engine, probably, but, you know, could potentially present other issues, like that maybe they're a little more fragile because of that, uh, which I think we see in situations where you run boost, you know, like like um, our friend who had issues when he was not running a forged piston and he ran hypers and, you know, um, and I talked to a couple other shops and they said, oh yeah, those hyper pistons, they crack all the time. So, you know, I don't know if that, if, you know, when they add the, um, the silicon into the, in the aluminum pistons, when they do the, when they make it, you know, the hyper eutectic, when they make, create that material, I don't know if that's, if that causes some embrittlement at the same time, you know, which could make it more susceptible to damage during detonation. You know. Well, almost almost by definition, anytime you make something harder, you make it more brittle, right? Because yeah. the softness is what makes something pliable. Like you don't right. you don't shatter gold; it it bends and it dents because it's a soft mm-hmm. metal. Uh, yeah. But it you get into something um, like the uh, you know the graphite blocks that they're using in in diesel trucks now. Like that's the mm-hmm. sort of thing to try and get around that because you have the long strand graphite trying to hold it all together and those will stretch 
um, mm-hmm. even if the rest of the of the block doesn't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the the harder something is, the more brittle it is. Like glass, glass is extremely uh, tough, but it does not bend. As soon as the molecules try to try to shift, uh, the whole thing comes apart. So, mm-hmm. so I have done some uh, some reading on this the the hyper eutectic pistons, and basically what they said was, you know, due to the stringent, um, you know environmental regulations put into the into place in the in the 70s and 80s uh that basically the the idea behind a hyper eutectic piston that was more thermally stable was they could reduce the gap in the cylinder wall so you could run a tighter clearance uh tighter fit um and it also reduced friction i guess so uh versus the the uh the old school like forged uh aluminum pistons or cast aluminum pistons um, and it allowed them to run at uh, higher operating temperatures as well um, without pre-ignition. So, uh, but the, the other biggest drawback is that when uh, pre-ignition did happen, they were more susceptible to cracking. So that is confirmed based on Wikipedia. So, um, so it does, yeah. And they say engine knocking is, um, is basically a, a common issue with, with the hyper-eutectic pistons. I wonder if those, because I mean, they still have to be formed either by cast or by forge. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how they make them because um, in, you know, j- just because of how the metal is formed, all cast pistons as a general rule are going to be harder and more brittle than a, than a forge because of how the uh, actual mole- molecular mm-hmm. structure is built. Um, so I wonder... Um, how they actually put it together uh, yeah. to, to get that. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I'm not entirely sure it doesn't really go into here. Okay, so it does seem to be, uh, it's still it's still a cast, but with the adding of the, the silicon, it's... it's um, Silica. Oh, so it is a cast. Yeah, so it is still... Yeah, uh, it's a cast hyper-eutectic alloy, yeah. Yeah, so it is still going to be, I mean, it's not going to be forged because... Yeah. Um, forged is is they forge a block and then uh, machine in in billet uh, mm-hmm. a, a whole thing, um, which is probably why hyper eutectics are if you're doing a low production number is so much more cost effective. So, like the guy who created the hyper eutectic piston for my truck, he is the only guy in the world who specializes in Ford four hundreds three fifty one M's. In Cleveland's, so he he basically had Keith Black make this piston for him, and because the production numbers are probably so low, because the demand is so low, why not do it cast? Yeah. Um. So, the 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 fourth option that will be coming around. Um. I previously worked for a company that did, uh, 3D metal printing. Uh. For you know things such as NASA. And uh, they they're building structural parts uh, out of three D metal printing for yeah. uh, space flights. So why not three D print pistons in the coming uh, time? Because like the problem with like forged pistons in the manufacturing sense, I know we're getting off into the weeds, um, is that you have a lot of uh, waste, a lot of metal waste. Yeah. Where even yeah. even you recycle it, that helps cut out the cost, but you can 
you can use what they called additive manufacturing versus mm-hmm. uh, subtractive manufacturing to create the same thing with little to no waste at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... I would think tolerances would be a big factor though when you're talking an engine and a bore. Well, yeah. if, they, if they, but if they can make functional parts for um, like uh, thrusters of uh, booster rockets out of, mm-hmm. you know, for NASA under NASA's strict guidance, um, I've seen the uh, firsthand, I've seen the, the tolerances that they can hit on something that would be literally impossible to make in a billet way. Um, wow. having, having seen what they've made and how it really is one piece of metal when it's done, um, having handled some pieces, it's, it's just incredible what they can make. And I'm thinking how long until one of the big automakers, um, steps in and says, you know, it's time to do this. Why have the supercar makers who have these giant 3d printers for a lot of their stuff? I wonder how long until we see that, that application. Cause Someone like Toyota that yeah. uses the just-in-time system uh, to you know get rid of any and all waste in in you know in their supply chain. If they could get rid of metal recycling and uh, just the clearing of chips um, from machines from CNC machines, that's that would be a massive step forward for them. Oh yeah, and if you oh, yeah, have you're... metal in bags instead of having to order it in the correct bars or blocks i mean it just comes in bags of sand uh yeah. think think what that could do for them and and also you know as as exotic metals become more scarce um that seems to become a better use of those metals you know and you can adjust uh, the uh the density of the metals you know as you order it in in bags yeah. you, you know you decide what it's composed of it's um, it, honestly, I mean, additive manufacturing is the future, and with the leaps and bounds they've made in, um, you know, in in three D printing technology in the last five years, even, I mean, in five years, it's hard to believe where we could be, you know, with just the advancements we've been seeing. Um, so yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that would really open the door for, you know. I, I mean, even for guys in the hobby like us, like to make, you know, centered, you know, uh, pistons or something, you know, like a centered metal piston would be, I mean, amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, but, it'll be useful for when things break on our cars. And that's my segue <laughs> over to Andy. Uh, he doesn't have any broken cars, though. Not a one. It's all, they're all blue ovals. They're, they're good. Yeah. Yeah, they're all uh, they're all in ship shape. Ship shape. You, you're uh, missing one letter in that ship. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the one we can't say because of the FCC. FCC. Is that F this car? Is that what FTC stands for? That was that was pretty much the whole drive this morning. <laughs> so what's what's it doing to you now did, did your horn randomly go off while you're driving or oh no one better i'm pretty sure the clutch is on its way out in the focus dude that that eleven hundred dollar car is not panning out to be an eleven hundred dollar car i'm still no, it into like it, it less than i could still sell it for so it's still a win so you mean to sell it then in order to make it uh, to make it work yeah it's getting it's getting close to st or rs time here the the longer i drive it Especially the more I drive it. Now driving it every day, it's like, yeah. 
yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, the clutch is out or going out. Um, I started noticing it about a week ago where I was like just driving it normally. Like I would, I thought it was maybe me just being tired or lazy, like just missing gears. Like, like, Oh, why did I grind that gear a little bit? And then I get in today to go to work this morning and it's like not even wanting to really go into gear hard. And it's, um, so it's like, it's not disengaging or it's, or it's not holding engagement, which it's it's like, is it failing? Yeah. It's like, I can't, it's like, I can't get it into gear. That's, that seems really typical of hydraulic clutches. My dad, uh, he, he drove a, uh, a, a Porsche 911 that was the same way. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I guess that's super common with hydraulic clutch cars that you have to like, they don't go in a gear very easy. You kind of have to pump them up. I mean, the other thing mm-hmm. it could be too, is it could be your, your slave cylinder, your master cylinder. That That's what I ran into with the Ranger just recently. I, I'm sure I talked about it on, on here um, that, yeah, when I would put the clutch to the floor, it still wouldn't want to easily yeah. go into gear. And, and uh, what it was inside the slave cylinder, there's, at least on mine, which yours is a similar year Ford might have a similar setup. There's a bladder on the inside that fills and those will, you know, they'll, they're, they're rubber. So as they, you know, move in the heating and cooling, they, they'll split. And then, so when you push, instead of it pushing against that bladder, it leaks through to the other side. So you don't get full pressure. Um, yeah. So no matter how much fluid you have. Right. And I, I can kind of feel it in the pedal too. I don't even have as much resistance in the pedal as I did before. Yeah. That, that probably sounds the, uh, like it. Have you tried to, have you tried filling the, the reservoir and checking it? Yeah. It's the same res. It's the same reservoir that the master cylinder runs off of. Okay. And, and it's not low. So yeah, no. probably a memory. So it, it still could be enough if you have a seal bad that it could be bleeding pressure. So like, have you tried just pumping the clutch and seeing if that helps? It it did, yeah. When I I thought about it coming home, I didn't know. Um, I, I tried pumping it a couple times. I tried pulling up on it too to see. If, I didn't know if it had an adjustment built in. Um, oh right, yeah, the, it, 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 adjustment built into it. Yeah, yeah. they self adjust the Ford hydraulic clutches. Uh, again, if I was assuming it's close to my 04 Ranger, um, which I think is a Mazda transmission. Um, yeah, they they auto automatically adjust in um, until they run out of adjustment. And that's right. That cable. Out. That's that's yeah. what I thought. I was I, I was just out of out of adjustment. That it's just worn out. It probably is. I mean, you know, it's cars. I don't think the cars ever had a clutch in it, to my knowledge. I don't know. The guy before me didn't have the best records on it, but things got one hundred eighty thousand on it now, and I don't think it's had a clutch. Well, if yeah. it's never had it replaced, that's actually really good then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's if it hasn't, then it's definitely due. If it has, who knows? That okay. or you're down to flywheel and you're just machining flywheel off every time you let the pressure plate out. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's all fun. <laughs> it's not like I work at a machine shop or nothing. No. Well, let's let's just, uh fix that right up. Let's go back to our favorite room in the house, which is the while you're at it room. Uh, oh yeah. So if you need to. Um, if you need to uh, change the clutch, this guy, if you need to change the clutch, um, throw out bearing, what else, what else would you be doing in there at the same time? And I know you, is there a spec in its future at, at that point? Is it going to be OEM? 
Mm, I don't. I don't know. I at one point I did a bunch of research on it on the focus forums. Um, as to like what was, you know, like the best like OEM replacement versus upgrading possibly. Um, I don't. I'm probably just gonna go with something OEM or close to it, as far as you know something comparable aftermarket. You know, uh, I don't want a heavy pedal or anything with it it's not i'm probably never going to even drive this car if i autocross it once in its life maybe at this point um you know that whole kind of dream of turning that into kind of like an autocross car is kind of dissipating so for yeah, now if it's, it's not if it's, it's not gonna be reliable kind of enough yeah. yeah yeah and then you know i thought it was this could be more of a fun toy at the time when i got it but it's turning out to just be a driver, which is just fine. I mean, it's still a good driver, so I just I'm thinking, I'm thinking, keep it OEM or close to. Um, you know, I gotta say the Andy, uh, this Andy is so much different than an Andy five years ago. <laughs> well, well, let me let practical. Me let me no. finish. Let me finish. I'm still gonna throw an exhaust on it at some point. Okay, I'm still rubbing off on him. You are, yeah. Practicality. Practical, <laughs> boring, whatever it's, you want to call still it. Gonna get, it's still going to get some sort of an exhaust kit on it at some point. Um, the shift cutouts? You're going to get cutouts? No, 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 no. <laughs> no more cutouts, yeah. I think. I think. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cutouts, Mr. Uh, yeah, it's really easy to throw a, a letter cam in a car. Doesn't throw a letter cam in his Fox body for 10 years. Oh, for 10 years. So it's in there now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going on 12 years now 12 now yeah exactly oh but he, has, he still has to go he still has to go get one i mean it's not like he has had one sitting in the garage no no, no. actually i actually don't because justin sold me a bad cam by the way <laughs> <laughs> well he finally got the yeah. gears done so that's good what about the, the gears what about the other the other cars the cobra well it's probably just stored at this point right oh no i've been driving it we up until today we've had it's been cold but fairly clear so i've been driving it off and on to work just because i can man even Uh, in december that's wonderful yeah i did i kept insurance on it until now so um that car is so cool (laughs) driving it it while i can but um i think i finally i've I've succumbed to my own rule of not going 100 percent of the while we're here rule. So as you all know, we rebuilt everything on that car a couple of years ago, did a whole rebuild on the rear end, the whole bushing kit, the whole IRS, the whole front suspension, all that jazz, right? The only thing I did not buy is the Ford Racing diff cover, the reinforced diff cover. And I am 95% certain I finally cracked that cover because I now have drips underneath the car when I back it in the garage. Is that oh. common on those? Yes, it's very common to crack that cover. That's why multiple people, Steeda, Billet Flow, and whatnot, make um, <clears throat> reinforcement brackets for that housing and that rear end cover, um, unless you go to the Ford Racing cover. So, so I got to ask, I'm at that what, point. what causes them to crack? This we is going to be my question. How, how, do you, how do you crack a cover? I always thought those were just jewelry. It's wheel yeah. hop. Wheel hop is super harsh on them. Really? So what, if, what so about you're that's saying a, that that's the, what always cracks them? So that the the housing then the 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 diff cover is somewhat load bearing. Yes, it is. 
and the Ford Racing one, um, I believe, loads the bearings inside uh, the way it's set up on there. Then it reinforces it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's one problem I never thought ever that would ever happen. Like, that's yeah. that's crazy. Wow. But of course, the one thing I I literally didn't upgrade when I was there, of course. Which yeah, the is good one, news which is, is why it's, it's my like, the, the good news is it's a pretty easy fix, you know. Like that's a that's a hour job tops. No, it's more it's more complicated than that. What? Yeah, because it's I gotta get a different. <clears throat> it's um, there's a different mount that's required to run the Ford Racing cover. Um, let's see if I can find wait, the wait. link. An IRS mount? You have to re uh, re uh, remake yeah. or change the actual mounts to the frame. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a separate piece. Yeah, let me I'll find the link and send it over That's, for you. But... That is shocking to me. I, but, yeah, but I could understand it being a little bit of a pain anytime you have to deal with gear oil and friction modifier. That makes yeah. for a bad day. Gear oil, I don't mind. Friction modifier is absolutely disgusting. It's it smells so bad. It's just yeah, it smells like this kid I knew in second grade. <laughs> Like he came to school and he just smelled like chicken noodle soup and bo. That's why are you eating so much chicken noodle soup as a kid, bud? I don't know why he was, but I definitely wasn't. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he also lived in my mirror. It was super weird every time. <laughs> I saw him every every time I brushed my teeth. I don't know what was going on. He would parrot everything I said exactly when I said it. Yeah. Man, yeah. that kid was lame. <laughs> So okay, so it's a it's a reinforced the Ford Racing reinforced cover, um, the cover buying it from Full Tilt um, that are they have them they already have them specially milled to so you can run their lowered their lowering um, Delrin uh, rear diff mount so the the. Just the the cover itself that's milled is three hundred and fifteen bucks, and then and then the rear IRS mount is another one hundred and sixty five. Boy, so it's a five hundred dollar fix. Boy, F boy, F. howdy! Why don't you just get a welder and just weld the cracks until the, until you just have a welded yeah, cover? So if if I didn't like it, if it wasn't a true a real Cobra, you know, if this was like a you know a a, a Fobra build. I would have yeah. fucking solid axle swapped it, but I kind of wanted to play with the IRS, and so this just, is what I get. Just weld structural ribs into the sheet metal <laughs> of the cover. Yeah, yeah. What's weld? It's like it's like welding spring steel. That's going to work out well. Just do it. Don't worry just, about it. Just full send it. Yeah, straight bro. straight into the rock wall. Guess you don't what? Need to be able to take the diff than... cover off. So just weld it on there. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah, man, so, I'm just thinking about the the rear axle. I I got to go look at the Beamer now, I guess. But um, like the Ranger, I mean, I because it's so far off the ground, I just see that all the time. It looks like a piece of glorified sheet metal, like 20 gauge, sitting over uh, sitting over the rear axle with a few bolts. Um, yeah, looking at looking at this diff cover now that you're talking about is it's weirdly complicated it looks like the inside of a hydraulic spool or something um yeah that seems i i mean i what do i know obviously i thought it was unnecessary but i (laughs) 
I guess that's not the case. Well, there, there he goes. You spooked, you spooked Jeff. You can't show him stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's bounded off into the, uh, into the, the backdrop. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. That's cool it, though, man. It's, it, I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's a cool design anyway. Like, it's, yeah. it's like a McLaren or a Ferrari. Oh, that's super neat until you get the repair bill. And then it's not so yeah. neat anymore. Yeah. And that's why my Mustang's for sale. (laughs) Yeah, that's why. That's one of the reasons. (laughs) Honestly, though, I mean, if I had Andy's Mustang, like, I don't know. I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell it. That thing's so, so fast and just does everything you want it to do, except work all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Other other than functioning properly, it is, it's such a good feel to, to ride in it and drive it. Yeah, it was dangerous oh, for me to drive. Yeah. It. And you oh, could yeah. get and you could get seventy percent of that for fifteen hundred dollars if you buy an E, e uh, what is it? E thirty nine. E thirty nine. That's what it was. E thirty nine. Yeah, we can't get those fifteen hundred anymore. They're going up. That's right. You might have to spend three thousand. <laughs> yeah, br- bank breaker. Bank breaker. <laughs> Um, do you have anything else? Otherwise I can use that as a, as a segue. Segway it is. That's, that is it. So speaking of uh, breaking the bank on something, um, do you remember the Volkswagen new beetle that just died a, a few, a couple years ago came out in the Thank early two thousands. Um, <laughs> well, there's, Not there's one enough. up, there's one up for sale for half a million dollars. What? Um, 550, thousand dollars up up on uh craigslist actually um so this one is a little different than your standard new beetle i mean it's uh it's a uh, silver it's got the alloy wheels it's got the um rocket engine on the back uh, uh yeah so it's got a 1350 horsepower like literal uh, jet engine uh, in in the back of it. What this is is uh, a bunch of crazy mechanical engineers. Them engineers uh, decided Can't trust those guys. Decided that they wanted this Volkswagen to be uh, you know what what is a Porsche nine eleven other than a, a a fancy Beetle anyway. Mm-hmm. So they decided to make this one rear engine also, and so when you're at Stanford and you want to go rear engine, what do you do? But put a giant, uh, turbo thruster on the back of it. Like quite literally a jet engine. Yeah. That that's like when you're, when your five-year-old self meets your 40 year old engineer self and you're like, I can make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it literally, I mean, it literally has an afterburner. Like this car, it's it's yeah. not a joke of turn on the afterburners. This is, this is literally that. On one hand, I kind of think that this belongs in like a new retro wave, like Lotus or something. But at the same time, I mean, Beetles suck, and that's a great that's a great way to send a Beetle to its like end. You know, like just <laughs> yeah. one last, just send it do it for Dale, you know, right into a wall. <laughs> I just, I just see someone pulling up next to you in their, uh, you know, in their, their modded Acura 
and you start making a pull and they start pulling ahead and they turn on the nitrous and they start going and you can just say too soon junior turn on the literal afterburner and <laughs> and literally rocket past them uh that's <laughs> that that would be <laughs> but uh, it you're not you're not hiding this this uh jet engine on this car it sticks out what it was it look like three feet four feet with the taper taper at the back that's yeah I wonder how long it can run um, without without melting down. I, I'd imagine the back of that car would get really hot. And then the driver would be kind of in harm's way with a jet engine kind of pointed at him. You know? <laughs> Seems a little unsafe. I mean, it says, says it has a custom 14-gallon baffled foam-filled Kevlar fuel cell. Uh, where the spare tire would go, so directly under it. Um, so you could shoot the fuel cell and it won't kill it. That's the idea, I, I would guess. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's just goofy. Um, <laughs> I know. I love There's... that it exists, though, that someone did yeah. this thing. Yeah. Just because you can, it means you should. I, I wonder if you'd get in trouble. I wonder if you'd ever get pulled over. Um, Good if, luck like, catching you for 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder uh, if it comes with ejectocito, cuz. Ejectocito, cuz. <laughs> like, I'd really want to just get on, like, 84 and just let that thing have it and then just pull the ejector seat, just launch straight up in the air with a parachute. <clears throat> Everyone will have to excuse my clicking uh, for a moment. Uh, I'm doing this one live. Um, so what I'm going to do is put in our, our shared document here, um, the actual Craigslist ad uh, for, oh this, for this item um, so they can see the, the pictures and help me explain. So I guess they chose... They chose a beetle because of the idea of uh, Hemi under glass, you know, on the, on the kudas and stuff. Um, yeah. And this is their idea of jet under glass. Is Let me just say, it. I mean, the hack job where the actual thruster sticks through is pretty poor. I mean, come on. Yeah, At least like throw they some seam sealer in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you may need some actual clearance for the massive amount of heat that's going to generate but the fact that you can look through the back window and and see it and then the whole hatch does still open uh for you to get to it uh otherwise just, the inside looks mostly mostly the same they've got a you know um controls and stuff thrown in there but uh, i just i just question if the beetle was the right platform for ultra high speed jet engine wheeled machine probably not i mean when i think of high speed stability i can't think that uh 2005 volkswagen beetle comes to mind yeah but i, I mean at know. least at least i would have done this with a gti can you imagine that yeah that i would like but yeah if, you're gonna upset the um the handling a little bit when you shove, what do we think? Half a ton uh, onto the, the back end of this between the, you know, the, the extra fuel tank, all the scaffolding inside. 
um, you know, the battery, extra battery back there, um, all the different lines. Uh, it's probably not super low NVH with that engaged or even without it engaged because uh, you got a giant hole out of the back. But we're not going to talk about the practicality of a jet-powered Volkswagen Beetle today. You know, I mean, if I was going to uh, to uh, Red Door Meet, you know, this would really get the attention of all of the <laughs> all of the attendees pretty quickly. Did you see any any rust or uh, primer color on that car? No, sir. You no, but not. there's flames, which I think would be an adequate substitute. That's that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. You know, and you know what better way to roast them haters than a jet engine? <laughs> than to roast the literal <laughs> haters. Literally roast them. Well, uh, we got another story, um, another high horsepower thing that I didn't even know about. Um, so Mopar has a crate engine that they're offering now because. You know, I knew that they had the the Hellcat um, coming, but they've called this uh, the Elephant. Yeah, boy. And it's a little more power. Just a little bit. Just a skosh. So Just up from up from seven oh seven out of the uh, um, Hellcrate motor, which haha, yeah. very funny, uh, to a thousand horsepower and nine hundred fifty foot pounds of torque in a complete crate motor that's uh, i mean they they upsize a little bit from 6.2 to 7 liters flat um they use the valve train off of the uh demon um new supercharger etc etc um but it's got a plug-and-play kit available for pre-76 vehicles and so that's absolutely made for chargers and cudas and stuff yeah i mean that's i mean i don't know i mean if you're if you're if you own something pre-76 you're never going to be able to build it to handle that kind of power (laughs) like it'd be practical at all but no that's that's that's, a mini tub situation yeah but i don't know man it's cool though like i mean it's better than what ford's doing for the aftermarket you know like at least at least Dodge is making an effort and Chevy is making an effort to support the, uh, the people who want to do resto mods and, and, you know, retrofit their cars. I mean, thousand horsepower is absolutely bonkers and and anything really. Well, we did talk last week about that 7.3 gas engine, um, that, uh, like that Godzilla engine that Ford's offering. So, I mean, they are offering options, that is a two valve push rod, uh, you know, hairy chested burly uh, <laughs> thing. Not not too far off of like a like a Hellcat, but that's naturally aspirated. So there's no reason you can't go and supercharge it yourself later and make it's close true. to these numbers. That's true. Well, and Ford's actually working on that right now. It's still pretty secretive, but they're going to be. I assume coming out with something eventually or news of something eventually that they're calling the Megazilla. <laughs> and is that going to be Man. based off of the 7.3 then? Yep. Yep. The Godzilla 7.3, but I assume hopped up free flowing exhaust, um, 
different intake uh, headers, all that jazz. R35 owners everywhere are going to be really upset that Ford's stealing their thunder. Yeah, with the Godzilla. With the Godzilla. <laughs> Fun fact, the Godzilla engine is the first pushrod engine Ford has designed since 1977 when they uh, created the 351 modified slash 400 engine. So, Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that's... You know, you're looking at 40, 43 years since they last. 43 years of mod motors, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those mod motors are a little bit of trouble. Just... Yeah, but when you get them singing, they're so much fun. I, I will say the Voodoo engine, that's money. Yeah, that's yeah. the five point two flat plane out of the GT three fifty. Yeah, we were talking about the GT three fifty earlier. Um, yeah, that's 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 a new car I own. Andy, I would, help! I would help me out. Huh? What's what's the uh, what's the max revs on the GT three fifty? Isn't it like eighty five hundred or something insane? I thought I thought it was like eighty two fifty. I think. It'll yeah, that sounds it. right. It's yeah. over eight thousand. That's so much. It, it just, it's just so good. Just such a singer. I'd love, uh, that. I'd love to have one of those with a, with a pro charger for the Cobra. That'd be so much fun. I would love to have one of those stock. I, I, not to, to plug in, but I watched, uh, I watched the, uh, Matt Ferris smoking tire video of, uh, uh, him driving one of those on some back roads in California. And man, it was just so great. That car just sounds so good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of of Matt's myself. I've made that clear, but uh, I did watch at least the very end of of that video, and I will agree with his assessment of the vehicle. Again, having not driven one, um, but having read all the accounts that I have, uh, I would agree that it's one of the most impressive offerings by Ford, um, or really any American vehicle. I don't think anything's made quite that impressive of a, uh, of a showing on the international stage since the uh, last CTSV uh, that came out and started playing with the, um, with the last generation M five, not the current one, the one before the V 10 and it was playing with the, uh, you know, the E 63 AMGs and, and uh, really putting those, those through their paces um, and for substantially less. And the value that you get out of a GT350 is is incredible. I think it's the best looking uh, Mustang with very few exceptions in the past 20 years. I would I would agree with that. I think the uh, I think the only vehicle that has made news that's American that in, in that timeline though is the Corvette, probably you know the new one with the mid engine. Um, that said, I think that the, you know, from, from everything I have read and sound clips and everything else, I think that the GT 350 is just, it's just better. Um, uh, it's, it's also something I would half the price. I mean, when you actually look at one of those mid engine Corvettes, you're not walking out of the dealership for less than one fifteen. I mean, that's a, oh, really? that's a, that's a lot of money. They're, they're, I, I thought they were like fifty or sixty or something. No, that's yeah, the front original MSRP ones. was supposed to be sixty, but that's gone out the window. 
No, oh, that, really? That's a that's front end ah. pricing. That was never going to happen. That was that was a pipe dream. Adorbs. That's hilarious. What are your what that are your, like? What are your thoughts, Andy? I mean, you you're the one who still drives a Mustang on on a normal basis. What, what do you think of the GT three fifty? The three fifty. I mean, of you know, the two offerings basically for this year being. The 350 and the 500. I would take a 350 over the 500, honestly. Even with less power, and you're kind of you're kind of our uh, our Jeremy Clarkson in a way. Uh, so what's mm-hmm. what's your rationale behind uh, behind that? Rationale is Whipple on 350 equals more fun. <laughs> I like. I, ever since I, I, I saw a video of a guy that had one, I think it was in, uh, in Germany, I want to say, on the over on the Autobahn, just ripping on it. I want it. I want one. The the thing that deters me from the 500 is the thing gets like seven miles a gallon. Ooh. It's rough. Well, that, and I think the suspension tuning on the GT350 is just... Yeah. The yes. 350 is more of a driver's car. The 500 is the horsepower game car. You know, it's the Hellcat. It's the... It's the horsepower wars. It's know. the guy with the uh, New Balance sneakers and the khaki shorts. The you know he's <laughs> in his about a, in, in about his sixties and he wants to go out and smash the gas on the freeway and that's about it. Yeah. The uh, the GT three fifty is the guy who wants to go autocross on the weekends and go road racing and join SCCA and hit all of the back roads on the way home so he can just slide the uh, the ass end around every corner. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. You know how well the Mach One is going to do next year. Oh yeah, yeah. That is that's what's going to be ultimately ultimately replacing the 350 is the Mach One. I don't think it'll be to that level. I just don't think it will. No, it definitely it it won't because it's it's not it's not the Voodoo. It's the Coyote. Yeah. But it'll be a bullet in different uh, different colors. More or less. With a shaker hood. No, no shaker. Oh, disappointing. They they said no shaker ultimately because of the location of the intake would not be practical. Oh, gotcha. But I, I, I imagine somebody will come out with a shaker hood kit for it. I mean, just like they sure. had in the past, you know, when the, when the S197s came out. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine there will be a, a shaker kit or something. Excuse me while I eat my words. Uh, I I looked it up, <laughs> and I am I am shocked. They have the 2020 Stingray C8 mid-engine starting at fifty nine nine ninety five. To get starting that, words taste. <laughs> wow! To get to get there's, uh, there's there's market everywhere on them though. There's people literally. I just saw an article yesterday of a guy who sold. Um, his new Corvette because of the demand and people paying a premium for him right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure right now to pick one up, but the fact that it's MSRP is, you know, a Lincoln yeah. under uh, 60 grand is bonkers to me that you can get yeah. that that kind of performance uh, for that low a price. Yeah, yeah. All, I, all I have to say on that is just, is just wait wait for the um the z06 and the zr1 oh those are going to be insane it's going it's going to be impressive 
Yeah, we'll definitely cover those. I think when they when they come out. Now that we kind of have our hand back on the pulse of things, um, I'm going to. Uh, we're coming up on time, but I'm going to run through our last uh, our last thing because we mentioned it uh, in the intro. So, uh, we as human beings have a uh, limited lifespan, uh, and we will only run the planet for so long. And now. It has begun. We will not be replaced by the robots, but by rats. Um, <laughs> the first first step of that happened um, uh, last year, but I'm just now hearing about it. Um, so scientists decided it would be a good idea to take um, rats and teach them to drive cars. Kind of. Awesome. So they put them on a little kind of like robot RC bodies and they put them in basically plastic jars um, above them and they give them little uh, little controls, little copper bars um, that they <laughs> that they can push and pull uh, to turn and go forward and go backwards and they they teach them to go to a certain spot on the floor in a uh, four square meter area. Um, but I mean, this would be a great way to teach me how to drive because, uh, if they get there, they get fruit loops <laughs> and I do oh, there you some go. Fruit loops. So that's a good reward for me. Um, oh, that's perfect. I, I'm going to link the video, um, in the show notes. So, uh, if you want to check it out, uh, we're going to be signing off here. So go ahead and pull it up and watch it because it's it's uh it feels good and then you remember oh we'll be replaced by this soon enough if they can drive there's a lot of us that can't drive properly so how's that gonna go that's true you know what's funny is they actually do have uh mind sniffing uh rats that they've trained in uh in some third world countries where they've had you know wars and these rats are trained to sniff out landmines and actually alert their handlers of the of the landmines so they can mark them or and de decommission them. Yep. And they're not so heavy that they'll trip the landmines. So Exactly. Exactly right. It's it's amazing what uh, critters can do. Also ravens are very impressive, but um Oh yeah. Highly intelligent. We'll have to do an animal night one day. Oh yeah, that's something we definitely know a lot about. <laughs> we know lots about animals. Okay. Well, before we uh, say anything else that is woefully inaccurate, um, I'm going to end the 31st episode of Garage Night. Uh, we're all back tonight. It was nice to see everybody and and do the usual sort of thing. Um, so yeah, thanks for thanks for listening to this one. Yeah, be sure to follow us on uh, Instagram at Garage Night or email us at uh, Tiny Dog Podcast Network at Outlook.com and Check out all of the other shows that we have available on tinydogpodcast.com. Definitely. Uh, feedback is always welcome. Uh, ratings, reviews, iTunes, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, always appreciated. And without further ado, from all of us here, we're going to go ahead and wish you a very good night. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody.
listening to the Garage Night podcast. A special thanks for Jeff Tracy and Annie Tamlin for joining the show this week. Until next week, keep turning wrenches.